Hello and welcome to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Megan Sunday. And I'm Bo North. On this show, we are discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series, chapter by chapter. Uh, this episode, we are back to talk about chapter nine, and we are without a guest for the first time in a while, so it is just me and Bo. It's just you and me. Just us. Which is useful because this chapter is about a page and a half long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be kind of a waste of anyone else's time to involve a guest for this chapter because it is seriously like five paragraphs long. <laughs> it's not much to it at all. It's a very important scene, but mm-hmm. it happens in about a page and a half, which is fine. Yeah, totally. I mean, after the last chapter, which was very dense and had yes. a lot going on, a lot of information thrown out, like it's nice to kind of have this breather, but it's not a boring. Like no. there's a lot that actually happens in this chapter. So should we get started with it? Yes. And we are going to start, as always, with an epigraph by the Princess Irulan. Many have marked the speed with which Muad'Dib learned the necessities of Arrakis. The Bene Gesserit, of course, know the basis of this speed. For the others, we can say that Muad'Dib learned rapidly because his first training was in how to learn. And the first lesson of all was the basic trust that he could learn. It is shocking to find how many people do not believe they can learn and how many more believe learning to be difficult. Muad'Dib knew that every experience carries its lesson. And that is from The Humanity of Muad'Dib by the Princess Urulan. That's so... I feel like many teachers have like put mm-hmm. that at the top of a syllabus. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like for people, I don't know, for me, like, there are certain things that I wouldn't say I was, did not have a learning disability, but those do exist, so. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder how they, they feel about that sort of, no one's, I don't know that we got any mention of if, like, what happens in this society, but I guess if you have a society like this where so many things are very, these people do this and these people do mm-hmm. that. You could probably get away with not really knowing math because, mm-hmm. you know, you probably have a, a mentat for that. Right. Oof, what a world. What a world. And I'm sorry, but you can't, you don't want people depending on a thinking machine, but you just have thinking machines that are people and you're yeah. depending on them. Because I would. I can't do math to save my life. I'd be at a no. restaurant trying to figure <laughs> out the tip and I'd be like, mentat? <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me, sir. I mean, Please. it's. Not as easy to carry around as an iPhone, but yeah. No, you'd have to buy them dinner. (laughs) Right, exactly. Oh, man. You don't want to be rude. So there are pros and cons to this situation is what you're saying. That's what is what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, you know, you just replaced one with another. Right. But there are no mentats in this chapter. They're mentioned, but they're not there. There are only two people in this chapter. Um, Paul, who we see, we're picking up as the previous chapter is kind of still happening, the events from that, um, Paul is faking sleep and, uh, listening to his mom and Yui talking, but he's not terribly interested in what they have to say. Yeah, this is, it's, this is a very Paul is 15 chapter mm-hmm. because he's pretending to be asleep. He pretended to take the sleeping pill that you had given him. And, and he's kind of like proud of himself for fooling. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and he's just like, hey, even my mom thought I was sleeping. Like, <laughs> and he had wanted to ask her if he could explore the house, but he realized that she would have said no and that this way he could just sneak around. You know, right. better to apologize than ask permission. But it's, yeah, he's, he's also talking about, you know, he could hear them talking and, Here's that they're talking about the Harkonnens, but he's just kind of like, eh. Mm-hmm. You know, because I guess in theory he could probably, like, sneak over and try to listen or anything, but no. Nah. I kind of feel like if he had listened, because Paul does have, like, the ability to sense the truth mm-hmm. in people. So I, f- I feel like if he had listened, that would have made events would have unfolded much differently. Yeah. Than how they do. He hadn't been distracted by his fish bed. <laughs> Right? I just find it very weird that his headboard has a fish carved into it. And I guess because it's sort of a like, oh, this is like a, a sort of a tribute to where you came from kind of thing. But they would have had to bring that from somewhere else. Like the only fish they have on Arrakis are sand trout. 
Yeah, this is obviously like there's water and, mm-hmm. but and all the buttons there are hidden buttons in the mm-hmm. carvings that do various things around the room. But the thing that gets to me is that he, so he's looking around, and there's you know he's, we're getting a description of the room. It's sort of your basic bedroom, but the handle it says the handle on the door to the hall was patterned on an ornithopter thrust bar, which is such a teenager like, thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's, having a race car bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the door to your room looks like a part of a ornithopter. That's cool. That's real cool, Paul. Ornithopters are yeah. cool. And you wonder because he he does then say that you know it feels like the room had been designed specifically to entice him. So, but it's sort of this yeah. like toss up because it's like I guess that that means that that's something that he he likes. But I also mm-hmm. feel like that is so what someone decides to do when they hear like a kid is moving in but mm-hmm. they don't know how old he is. Right. Well, they have a they have a son, so boys like thopters. Right, and fish. And the ocean. Yeah. They're from a planet that's got a lot of oceans, so yeah. fish. I mean, it is kind of a, a nice detail because, like, you know, you press the fish's eye and the lights come on. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like all of this stuff. And it is, it that's does sound like, yeah, it does sound like something a teenager would really like. So, I mean, I think, like, some thought went into it. Oh, but yeah. At the same and time, I like that there's a bookcase that when you swing open the bookcase, it's a closet. And I'm just thinking like, I'm very much just like, Ooh, sounds great. Like I'm going to go to Ikea. Yeah, for real. I would not hate that at all. Like that's some handy storage. <laughs> you probably have like two books cause you know, it's mm. the future. <laughs> but, hey. Yeah. I mean, they don't print on paper anymore. Do they? They just, have I don't those, believe like, so. Little Kindle things. Um, or that, like, whatever, that book, it, the, the Orange, the orange Bible. Catholic Bible. Yeah. But he also thinks that Arrakis has also seemingly been designed specifically to entice him, which is so interesting because he's just then starts thinking about all the things that he saw in the film book on the journey. And it's just mm-hmm. stuff like date palms, kangaroo mouse, creosote bush. Like, yeah, it's the desert, Paul. Like, right. <laughs> kangaroo mouse. Yay. I know. Um, but I mean, I think that it's kind of cool to know that the date or the date poem, the uh, book he was studying was like about the planet's actual geology and it was written like pre discovery of the spice. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know, it's sort of an interesting, like a different look at Arrakis, like to see it through those eyes. It's just like a botanical testing station rather than. You know, this, like, super important place that they've been put in. Yeah. And we do get just a little hint that these are, a lot of these things are, like, plants and animals that Mm -hmm. only exist on Arrakis now, but Mm -hmm. that sort of hint at, you know, things that were on Earth, but there is ostensibly no longer Earth. Right. So we just kind of... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, it's just, you know, it's just sort of like, oh, you know, there used to be this, I think they call it man's tyrannic past not tyrannic tyrannic like you know Terra mm-hmm. and uh, you know like yeah we, we all sure did do love our creosote bushes <laughs> <laughs> well can I, I and I can cut this part out but I'm just curious because don't they say like later in the books isn't it hinted that Arrakis is actually Earth oh is it I think that they've hinted at it at the fact that it is that sounds like one of those like last minute. It's like how suddenly, I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, but like when you find out Shannara is Earth, mm-hmm. you're like, surprise, it's Seattle. It's been the <laughs> Pacific Northwest this whole time. You're like, what? Right. I mean, the credits to the TV show make that abundantly clear. <laughs> uh, but it was a later, I don't think that gets mentioned until like pretty far into the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to look that up. Not from what I can see. Okay. I do like informally known as informally known as Dune and later called Rackus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I know it's not for like super cool reasons, but I do like that it just is like, hey, Rackus. Rackus. <laughs> Going to Rackus. Well, it is kind of interesting because it's like how the how language evolves over time and things get shortened like, I don't know. We do that all the time. Oh yeah. I just think it's interesting that it becomes like its name and it's yeah. not just um, that's what you get when you decide to move that far forward. 
<laughs> true, true. And you just get like people insulting <laughs> Fremen. Like, look at them now. So, Paul is in his room. Uh, mm-hmm. He's looking around. He's trying to figure out the best way to sneak out and like explore the house, which makes sense. I mean, I think that's what everyone would want to do. Yeah, that's what really. I'd want to do. And I mean, the idea that your own house would be so dangerous that you couldn't look around. Mm-hmm. I mean, my God, like that, that is That's every stressful. so often there's something that you're just like, oh, this poor kid mm-hmm. He's never allowed to have friends, which He's surprises not allowed me to have fun. that there's not a process for like, they didn't just like buy him a friend or something. I mean, yeah. Or like have a friend made for him. Yeah, they can, uh, or just like sort of a you know great expectations kind of like here's this kid, right? We're gonna make him come over and hang out with you. Um, but I guess even that would probably be too dangerous. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like any of the people in their household necessarily have households of their own. Like no one's married or has any kids, right? So there's not even like oh you know Gurney's children or something like that's nope. And I don't think that like, for any of them ever, well, I say that, but. Yeah, um, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. <laughs> it's so hard, I know. <laughs> I think sometimes I maybe I'm just, maybe I'm so angry at Duncan Idaho because <laughs> I love him. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm right there with you. I like, think that might be the thing. Like, I think I'm just so, like, agitated by his whole existence, but it's like. <laughs> Duncan Idaho. Must you be so cool yet so Duncan Idaho? <laughs> I think that's a actually pretty common among the the female readers of Dune. Like a lot of us, <laughs> the female uh, characters of Dune. Yeah, I <laughs> at least know. one of we them. We let him get away with everything because he's uh, Duncan Idaho. He's not even here. Listen to us. This I know not, <laughs> he's uh... not even in this chapter. What? Is, this is not going to turn into the Duncan Idaho podcast. I it's because we don't want to talk about poor Paul. He's just, I know he's got no friends. It His makes room me sad. Has a fish bed, and he just wants to look around his house. That's yeah. all he wants to do. But, but yes, something happens. Something happens, which for all that this is such a short chapter, it is such a good scene. And it is, I think, one of the scenes that people remember a lot from the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but as he is looking around the room, he hears something and part of the headboard folds down and a device called a hunter seeker emerges, mm-hmm. which sounds it's basically like. I think of it as like a drone, like a teeny tiny drone that will yeah. like burrow under your skin. Yeah, it's basically like a flying needle, mm-hmm. but it's like pulsing, like a drill bit almost. Yeah. It sounds horrible. Uh, and apparently, this is yet another thing, like, it says, uh, Paul recognized it at once, a common assassination weapon that every child of royal blood learned about at an early age. Oh, my God. Like, it sounds so stressful. Get this kid a doll or a ball or, or something. Like the soft mother. <laughs> like, they used to give like the rhesus monkeys like you know just give them like a soft terry piece of terry cloth or something just, just something like a mm-hmm. rock that he can call fred and yeah i don't know like this poor kid he's never even had a pet i don't give think. him a pug for crying yes. out loud pugs that's probably why they have so many pugs in the movie because david lynch was like this poor guy needs a pet Pugs. Pugs for everyone. Yeah. I want to put small dogs all through this movie. <laughs> Even during battles. Uh, so then we just, we learned a little bit about them. Uh, they can, you, they can't see you if you're not moving. Mm-hmm. Like a T-Rex. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, his shield is on the bed. He does not have it on, which, Paul. Yeah. Uh, Don't you know you're supposed to sleep with that shit on? Yeah, I mean, hmm. You'd think that, I don't know, you'd think that there would be, like, I don't know, like, mosquito netting, but it's made of platinum or mithril or something. I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, so, laser guns can knock them down, but laser guns are a lot of work. And so, mm-hmm. basically, the, the Atreides relied on their body shields and their wits. Mm-hmm. So, that's why no one likes you guys. 
because you probably <laughs> go around saying stuff like that all the time. Right? I can really, like, hear them actually saying that. Yeah, someone's trying to sell them, like, some Lay's guns. Like, mm -hmm. the Atreides rely on their shields and their wits. Oh, my gosh. We know. <laughs> people do not have success trying to sell those guys things. Um, people try to sell Paul some stuff in later books that he's just like, eh. Uh, so he has to try to, he's thinking he has to try to grab it. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's sort of plotting it. Uh, we also find out that you need someone to operate it. Uh, they're not like independent. Like someone is clearly like got a little joystick somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. As like um, a drone, it is like, it has to be guided by someone. I, and I don't know, like, it's not like, unlike a drone, I don't think there's any kind of like visual capability for the person who's right. guiding it. I think they're just in charge of like, basically you could probably just tell when it's hit something mm -hmm. uh, because it's, you know, um, cause he, he thinks like he could call for UA, but the minute the door opened, it would go for him. Mm -hmm. And so, but then right when he's thinking he's going to try to grab it, the hall door opens up yep. and the hunter seeker immediately goes for whoever just opened the door, but Paul is able to grab it first and crumple it up against the wall. Yeah, he smashes it against the, the door plate, and um, it's the shutout Mapes has come to uh, wake him up, and he has just saved her life. She regrets taking this job. Yeah, I, th I think it. she does now. She's like, first of all, your mom and that whole scene, I had to <laughs> hang up a bull with blood on its horns. Um, your The painting of your grandfather is not great. Right. And now this. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I'm just going to go back to the desert. I have to wear this weird brown dress. I think I'm going to just put my still suit on and leave. <laughs> I'll show myself out. Bye. <laughs> uh, but so she's just sort of like, well, look at you. Yeah, she she's very <laughs> cool. Like, she's a very cool customer about the whole thing. She's just like, oh, I've heard of these. Like, that's her reaction. It's and, just sort of like, I've heard of such things. And she says, like, you know, well, you could have just let it kill me. And then you could have gotten out. Mm -hmm. And he's like, who are you? <laughs> right. <She laughs> Which is a very 15-year-old reaction, I yeah. feel like. It's Hello? good. <laughs> uh, she introduces herself. And he's just like, well, how did you know where I was? And she's like, well, your mom sent me. Like, mm -hmm. calm down. Uh yeah. This is the first reference we've seen to Jessica now has gone to somewhere that the Shoutout Mapes is calling the Weirding Room. Yeah, we'll hear more about that soon. And she says, like, you know, your father's men are waiting for you. Mm -hmm. And so he tells, he gives her a bunch of orders that, you know, she needs to go to Thufer's men and tell them that there was a hunter seeker. Uh, the person who was operating it will undoubtedly be on the property somewhere uh, because they can't be that far from it. Mm -hmm. And... You know, she's like, sure, I'll, I'll go do that. But she's like, by the way, the way of my people is now that I have this like burden to you. A water burden. A water burden. It, which I assume is like a life debt. I, yeah. Um, so much. Uh, there's occasionally a turn of phrase that gets a little too like stranger in a strange land, like water mm -hmm. brother. And I'm just like, okay, can we back away from that, please? <laughs> um, <laughs> the so she tells him like look just in order to i don't i don't really want to have this debt <laughs> right i don't right now yeah she calls um, him um what does she call him a manling or manling, something which i love i love it i want to call all the men in my life that now <laughs> i'm just like, thinking i was like i don't know if i know anyone that's age appropriate for me to use that so i made i don't care i'm calling every man i know that. <laughs> um i don't care i'll call my dad that <laughs> And so she says, look, all the, the Fremen know that you guys have a traitor. Mm -hmm. We don't know who it is, but we know that you have one. Uh, and maybe that's the person who did this. Uh, peace out. <laughs> then she yeah. runs off. And uh, Paul's just like, okay, well. And then he's just sort of like, wow, that was a Fremen. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Paul. He is very like, he, he is a little starstruck that he's just met his first Fremen. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay. And I do like that sometimes we get the descriptions of how, you know, and I think it's it's meant to invoke the way his brain works, like sort of like this training of learning, the Mentat training, 
where you know he thinks of things he labels things like okay that's this this is you know creosote bush shout out mapes this is that that is this but it's also like yeah no that that's her name paul you should mm-hmm. remember people's names <laughs> that's a good good thing to do yeah. uh and then he goes gets finally gets his shield belt which you should sleep in young man mm-hmm. uh and then he, he tries he rose to go look for his mom and it's just basically like she was in a weirding room. Yeah. And then that's the end. That's it. That's because our it's... very short chapter. It's not even. It's a short. It's a piece of flash fiction. Wow. I don't know where my breath went there. It's a piece of flash fiction. Mm-hmm. Breathe while yeah. you speak. <laughs> yeah. Children, breathe. That's a lesson. <laughs> a little podcast tip. Yeah. From a pro. <laughs> Uh, breathe and don't try to say too much at once. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I do like that the shout out Mapes is right in the thick of it right away. Yeah, much to her chagrin, which is good because she's not in this no. book past the the beginning part. Yeah. Um. So I, I mean, I kind of like that she's sort of like introducing him to like you know she's kind of giving him his first like taste of what life on this planet is going to be like or Mm -hmm. what he imagines it's going to be like um so it's kind of cool i like that it's like his first from and he meets as a woman Mm -hmm. i kind of like that um i like that the thing that gets to me that i think is really interesting is mm -hmm. that everything that we learn about the way that like Paul is raised, but ostensibly the way that Leto is raised, that all the royal houses are raised. You know, there's, um, they're taught about you know assassination devices mm-hmm. when they're children. They're yeah. ra- raised very protected, very this and that. Yet they're so astonished at how, for lack of a better term, like tough the Fremen are. Mm-hmm. Because, and I mean, we know we find out later that the Fremen do have a culture that does have like fighting, and mm. you know there are things that you fight you know, duels and whatnot for, for lack of a better term. Um, But a lot of it is, you know, them versus their environment. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is something that is so foreign. Yeah. You know, like, because everyone's just like, oh, yeah, the Fremen, like, they're super tough. And, like, you know, I think it's, what is it, Thufer maybe is earlier said, like, you know, all people who aren't, like, want to marry Fremen from the desert because they make really good husbands and strong wives. Right. You know, and... It's like, well, you guys do just as much battling for your lives. Like, you know, you train to fight and you do mm-hmm. all this. But, you know, the idea of having to do all of that just to, like, get through a day in your environment is just mm-hmm. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, how do you live? I don't know. I think about people like that in a lot of countries, like, especially right now in, like, uh, places that, I don't know, I'm thinking, like, places like Haiti. Where they're just like constantly recovering from natural natural disasters, or like New Zealand has had like all of those earthquakes and mm-hmm. you know everything that's happened there, and it, it is very much like you know sort of you against the environment sometimes, and it's like it does sort of. I mean, now when I first moved to Minnesota, it was it was kind of interesting because you know I had lived through hurricanes, like a lot of hurricanes, and some of them were really bad hurricanes you know you're from florida mm-hmm. but like there it's just like it's such a foreign concept to them like how to prepare for things like that so like when my sister-in-law moved to the east coast she was for the first time like having to like call me and be like how do i prepare for this and i don't know it's just such an interesting thing like how your environment shapes you mm-hmm and I think that that's definitely, like, with the Fremen, like, that hostile environment has shaped them into this, like, they have to be. Yeah. Or they just won't, they just won't survive. But I think it's also, and I'm not to jump ahead, but, like, there is coming up in one of the, the next couple chapters, like, we kind of get some insight, like, someone is kind of looking at Paul and being like, he's not Fremen tough, but they're like, these, these Atreides, like, they're a different kind of tough. Mm-hmm. from us yeah. and i think that's an important distinction to make because like yes they've had to like fight against the environment that they live in but they haven't like had to like worry about you know uh 
being assassinated by a child like a friend or something like that like that's not a worry for them the way it is for like paul and leto and yeah and jessica and you know the the references in in previous chapters to like why doesn't arrakis have climate control mm-hmm. you know you get this impression that there's not there's not a lot of frontier as it right. were in this universe and i think that you know and that's something i mean not not to make life light of you know, things happen in real life but i think there's a tendency like when you read about someone who goes missing mm-hmm. on you know like a hike or something people people do want to like make it the most elaborate that it could be like oh you know they they stumbled on a cult or you know they saw something they shouldn't have seen and it's Mm -hmm. like or you know sometimes people get lost yeah because the wilderness is the wilderness and we are not generally speaking pretty prepared for that you know sometimes you just take the wrong path and that was the worst thing you could do Mm -hmm. and you kind of get the feeling that that's not a thing like on Caladan you're not like you could probably go for a lovely walk in a in a forest and someone knows where you are at every second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's you might feel like you're having this like nice nature adventure, but yeah. someone knows where you are. Yeah. That's an interesting point though. Yeah. I didn't really think of it like that as like so much of Arrakis is completely unexplored and unknown to the rest of the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because I mean, because you also do get the impression that even not just like obviously the Harkonnen are have all kinds of you know wicked intentions uh, and whatnot, but you kind of get the impression that any ruling family previous they probably don't go near the desert. Like mm-hmm. they stay in their nice house because they're yeah col- they're colonizers. Like, yeah, they, they stay on the plantation. They don't want to and... get in with the you know savages yeah they don't wander out Mm -hmm. uh and i think that you know paul's interest in arrakis is is good on the level of well i bet he probably knows more than any of the other people right and i mean i feel like he even kind of at a certain point knows more than his parents but i think that that's also a very teenager kind of you know Mm -hmm. i know I'm really into this idea of this desert planet, guys. And I have read all these books and seen all these documentaries. And it's, you know, me telling my mom about Les Miserables, you know. Right. <laughs> mom, did you know? <laughs> and like, like, yes, yes, I did. Like, I was also at the show with you. I, I too saw Les Miserables. But you didn't see it like I saw it, Mom. Right. Let me let me describe it through my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell you about all these facts that I read about the writing and staging. Sorry, Mom. You're not listening to this podcast probably, but sorry. Now you're listening to me talk about Dune. Hey, it's the same thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, because there's definitely times that he mentions things where even like Leto is like, wow. Oh, wow. Check out the big brain on Paul. <laughs> yeah. Look at my kid. He knows stuff. <laughs> yeah. Look at this guy. Yeah, we'll definitely see more of that in the coming chapters. So so this is, this wasn't a, it was, while this was a very short chapter, it was important because it sets up, it sets a lot of things in motion. Um, It sets a lot of things in motion with like Jessica and mm. Thufir and the Duke and everything that kind of happens from here on out like everything's sort of building to a point now and we're really starting to like move along with the plot so i mean there's still some like world building we're going to be doing in the next coming episodes there's still going to be some more characters that we're going to have to meet but including i'm pretty sure we're going to get a duncan idaho appearance in the next couple chapters yeah yeah definitely yeah put like a special sticky note in my book for that right <laughs> i think this is the special chapter um as long as it all i mean i've already mentioned this so i guess i won't mask it as long as at some point we're gonna get duncan idaho is drunk which is probably my favorite chapter in a book <laughs> ever just because it's written in like drunk dialogue and there's a lot of slurring and you're yes. just like what is happening right now <laughs> I think like up until that point you hadn't even been entirely sure if there was alcohol in this universe. <laughs> right. It's just like now this dude's just full on lit. Um 
Oh, but it is also, I think, important to note that this is, this from this chapter, this is the assassination attempt that mm-hmm. was mentioned in the Harkonnen chapter. Yeah. Where they did say, like, we are going to try one thing. It probably won't work, but maybe it will. Yeah. It, you know, and it obviously did not. Um, and I think this is also a really good example of the sort of control and training overall that Paul's had to have, because mm-hmm. I don't know if I could stand that still. Right. I mean, do you think that you could stand still enough to keep like a little robot assassin from from no. killing you? Like I don't know that I could. And then to just snatch it out of out of the mm-hmm. air as it's that flying part, towards someone. No. Yeah, I mean that's some really freaking impressive stuff. And I'm really excited to see how that translates onto the screen. I really hope that this is not something that gets cut down. Or cut out, so. I think it's sort of, I mean. It's too important, really. It's too important, and I think that it is, I mean, for, I'm going to use, like, you know, at this point, sort of an internet phrase. I think it's kind of iconic. Mm-hmm. Because I feel, like, I can, I mean, and I've obviously seen it a few times, but, like, I can Yeah, but there's, my... like, a handful of scenes that everyone remembers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and granted, I don't think that they're all necessarily going to translate because I don't think we're going to see anyone in a little, like, bikini bottom this <laughs> right. time around. I think that was solely a treat for us in the 80s. Yes, that and what a, a treat it was. Sting. <laughs> Sting was just there. That's what the 80s were like, guys. Like, you know, I was yes. a child, but I remember. Um, and, I, but I can I can picture it in my head. Like, I'm like, oh, that's that scene. Yep, there it is. Mm-hmm. Although I feel, I'm trying to, it. I, I feel like at least the effects will be a little better. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm also I, I mean, I think in 20, 30, however many years, like, you know, we'll look back and be like, oh, those uh, effects are pretty bad. So who knows? Uh, well, but by then we'll have these, like, they'll exist. So let's just one of the movie. <laughs> I was going to say, like, by then we will be on Arrakis. Yeah, it'll be Fury Road by then. Yeah. So we'll have all <laughs> kinds of stuff. Um, right going on um well there's no one i'd rather have in my motorcade with me than you <laughs> megan i i think that you know i do a good job and i know what a tree is unlike people right um <laughs> unlike poor ducks why would he know what a tree was poor poor young man um this <laughs> I mean, we could we could talk another half an hour about Fury Road if you wanted to. I really want to think about Fury Road right now, and like in the context of Doom, though. Yeah, like there's so much there that I mean, there I'm sure it's already been of... done on Tumblr. Like I'm sure yeah. someone's already made like a GIF like thing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, hmm. yeah, there are a lot of uh, similarities there. We'll yeah, I mean, yeah. I think. I think at this point, you know, anything that has a lot of desert mm-hmm. owes a lot, a lot to Doom. Um, yeah. And, like, I don't want to say that anything that features anyone who, like, grew up in a desert, on a desert planet, um, on a farm, mm-hmm. a moisture <laughs> farm. We, we won't. Um, I don't know anyone. That doesn't sound like anyone I've ever heard no, of. No. Yeah. I've never met that sort of individual <laughs> at all. Ever. it's so funny yeah it's so mm. funny there's a, a like a facebook group for a, a romance podcast i'm a i listen to and i someone knows that i host this show and was posted the <laughs> that wonderful meme that came out this week from the hard times that was uh <laughs> christian bale gains four thousand pounds to play sandworm and dune he's so <laughs> method he is so method. So, um, you know, a lot of people have been sending that to us and we love it. Um, so um, someone in that group posted it to me on the Slack channel and a lot of people were like, oh, it looks like Star Wars to me. And I was just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, we've discussed that before. It's just that yeah. becomes, yeah, it's that's, just, you know, what is what happens. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's like with any monster movie you know you get something where people are like oh but that's just a rip off of this and it's like because it's a monster movie at mm-hmm. the end of the day they're all very very similar mm-hmm. i mean you definitely do get really blatant stuff like there's there was a fantasy series i will not name any names but <laughs> it came out several years ago now and was very popular briefly 
mm-hmm. but like I tried to read the first one and there were so many things that were heavily inspired I'm not saying it was plagiarism but it was clear mm-hmm. you could tell that this person had read all the same fantasy that I had read mm-hmm. and it kind of condensed it into this and there was already so much that I was just like eh, I kind of know this work for you yeah you know and again like it's not the same as you know when you read something that's been blatantly plagiarized when you're like, mm-hmm. that's a sentence that I've read before. It was just so <laughs> like, so you've read the Lord of the Rings. Like, yeah. There's a difference between like homage and total ripoff. Like you can definitely pay tribute, mm-hmm. but uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be like just a direct copy. I mean, I definitely as a teenager wrote, the majority of a book once that was basically just flowers in the attic only they're on a mountain (laughs) which is kind of just the castile series but again i digress this is not by vc andrews podcast um (laughs) but it was the same sort of thing where then i like read back over it was like oh yeah this is (laughs) really just flowers in the attic yeah i mean i was have at 15 was writing lots of Anne rice fanfic before i knew she was very litigious about that stuff (laughs) She knew somehow. Right. She was in your computer. <laughs> she was like, what's this? Who's writing about my Lestat? No, I will send him to Atlantis. <laughs> I'm just saying those books got wild. I did not know about that. As a brief aside, everybody. So, like, I was super into the Vampire Chronicles. Yeah, and I mean. And I kind of dropped off. Um, I did not really care for when they crossed over with the Mayfairs because Mm -hmm. I loved the Mayfairs and I didn't really need that. Um, uh, But then I one day was just the bookstore and I was like, I'm sorry, does that say Atlantis? (laughs) And I still haven't read them, but I know (laughs) I'm going to have to. Oh boy, I'm telling you. I Um, listened to the audiobooks actually and they're really something. And I read a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. That is really, really ridiculous. Um, I've read more than one book about giant crabs that kill people. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven books, in <laughs> fact. Um, I have a book on my shelf right now called "Something." There's something alive in the Titanic. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that is yet because I haven't read it. But but that's you the haven't title quite gotten book. to Vampires in Atlantis. But yet. I had not gotten to Vampires in Atlantis yet because yeah. I had fallen off the Anne Rice thing around the time that she had like gotten really Catholic again. Oh yeah, which and that's is fine. Is I but, mean it's still um, very much a part of the the series. But uh, yeah, it was uh, really I think something. It's just, I didn't really care for Blood and Gold. So yeah. I kind of dropped off after that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I can't, uh, I, I, I've read them all at this point and I can't really remember half of them. So that should tell you something. I, I remember too much of them. Like <laughs> I could probably draw like a Mayfair well, yeah, family like the tree first, right now. Yeah. I mean, the Mayfair books are a different story, but like I, I have read all of the Vampire Chronicles except for the one that just came out this past summer. So, I mean, I Blood Canical, I think it was, but, like, I've read all of those. I remember, like, the first five or six pretty well, and then after that, it's like, what? And then, it, boom, Atlantis. And then the Mayfair ones, I, I remember better. It's just because they're better characters, but, hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that, for me, if everything had just kind of stopped at Queen of the Damned, I would have been mm-hmm. perfectly happy because I love oh, Queen totally. of the Damned. Yeah, that's a really fun uh, book. That's a really fun book. Mm-hmm. It, it brings back all your faves. It yeah, introduces the, some new ones. These like last three, I would say like, hey, remember how much you liked Queen of the Damned? Well, we're just going to do that, but we're going to destroy everything you liked about that and, book. I mean, I think this is a place that I can say this. Mm-hmm. I like that movie. <laughs> uh... I don't think it's a good adaptation of the book, but mm. I think it's a fun movie. I don't um, even know that I think it's fun. I mean, I, I'm not uh, offended by it. I think it's just boring. Um, I just think it's weird. That they I really out... love, though, that they like the casting in some respects. Like, oh, God, what is his name? Like they, they cast to play David Talbot. Paul McGann. Yes. I mean, I fucking love Paul McGann. Like, the eighth doctor. My favorite Hands doctor. down. My favorite doctor. <laughs> Damn it, Megan. 
<laughs> you know how rare it is to meet someone else that number eight is their favorite doctor? It never happens. I'm sitting underneath a picture that I got from my husband of the 10th doctor, which is mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, yeah. And it's a he's beautiful fine. piece of art. And there mm-hmm. he is. And he's looking at me and it's like, hi, David. You know, mm-hmm. this, is, this is good. Donna's there. I like Donna. Yeah. But the, yeah the best no, companion. Eight. Yes. Oh, my God. Bye. Yeah. well tune in next for our doctor who cast (laughs) tune in next for we're just gonna keep discovering things yeah now speaking of unpopular movies i could watch that doctor who movie like oh my god nobody's business i've seen i have it on dvd and i watch it often that there's so much i i really need to track that down and like make my husband watch it because i just i would love to see his reaction because like he really to got eric into roberts who. being the villain <laughs> he got into doctor who at the revival yeah like, sure so he doesn't know to- yeah which is you know fine and he's mm-hmm. way past what i've ever seen of any of that at this point but i would love to show him that movie because i just i want to see the reaction to, like <laughs> i'm half human and i love that everyone there was so much vitriol. and look at my waistcoat but i'm also super hot so mm-hmm. and I was very sad they cut his hair. I know he mm-hmm. didn't like the hair, but Paul. I mean, it's great. Paul McGann. Paul McGann is a beautiful man. He's still, he is still gorgeous. Like, it's yeah. a very, very. Put Paul McGann and Dune. <laughs> Put Paul McGann and Dune. First of all, hashtag Paul McGann and Dune. Yeah. And make him two... Leah. Yes. It... Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Dear Dennis. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how to pronounce your name. I don't know if it's Dennis or Denise or how you say it. Uh, but yeah, hello. <laughs> Hi, sir. Um, hello, dear sir. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy your films. I have seen several of them. Yes. Um, one, can we still talk about the end of Enemy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a little unclear. I think I get it, but maybe I don't. And also, that was a really scary big spider. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal in Dune yeah um but I feel like there was so much vitriol about Rose whom I don't Mm -hmm. particularly care for as a character but people were so like we don't need it's like did you forget the eighth doctor just making out with companions right like full on yeah I mean (laughs) invented that Eccleston didn't invent that that didn't come along with Rose Tyler like that happened before Rose and it's definitely a very, very simplification of a very mm-hmm. unfortunate situation on a television show. But there were definitely parts in that first season of Luther. Oh, when, yes. Like, his ex-wife was just like, oh, you ex-husband Idris Elba. Oh, you new boyfriend Paul McGann. I'm like, lady. I know, right? <laughs> well, if you look like Indira Varma, I guess the well, world's yes. your freaking oyster. <laughs> Pedro Pascal uh, later on in other programs. Like, yeah. you are getting it. Dang. Yeah. And whoever she was hooking up with on Torchwood, which is probably everybody because it was Torchwood. Um, yeah, she was just in, like, what, the first couple episodes? Yeah, but I think the they referenced episode. her yeah. a lot. She, she was, was definitely hooking up with Jack. I thought she was hooking up with Owen. Probably. I mean... Everyone was hooking up with Owen. Yeah. <laughs> like, there when was he showed up a... in Crimson Peak, I was like, who are you going to hook <sighs> up with, Let me tell dude? you, there was a question <laughs> going around on Twitter last week that was like, who was like the nicest celebrity you ever met? Guys, Bern Gorman is the nicest Aww. celebrity I have ever met. He was the sweetest freaking guy. He was just genuinely delighted to meet everyone. He was so nice. He was just laughing and smiling and made like was like making eye contact and made sure like to get your name right. And, you know, some people like Carl Urban, I met him and like he was wearing sunglasses the whole time. <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> inside. So uh who would my answer be? Bern Gorman is like the nicest person mm. I I think like definitely celebrity I ever met. And I know he's a very minor celebrity, but he's really great. Bruce Campbell. I can see that. Bruce Campbell was probably the nicest celebrity I've ever met. I've never really had like a, t- a bad experience. I've definitely had the more like polite, you know, mm-hmm. um, or uh, Doug Bradley. But I may have a lot of rose colored glasses on for that one because <laughs> I was meeting freaking Pinhead. <laughs> right. And again, this is not the appropriate place for this pot, but it's, you know, it's my podcast. So yeah. here it is. I don't know. Like if you follow me on Twitter, I love Hellraiser mm-hmm. a lot. 
And so, yeah, I met Doug Bradley. And so I think he probably could have just like poked me in the eye and I'd have been like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like he could have refused to sign. He could have just been like, here's your signature. Like, meh. <laughs> like but <laughs> he did not. He was wonderful. But I think I still would have just been like, <sighs> that's cool. <laughs> you probably that's had a really cool. long day. Yeah. <laughs> you just made any excuse. But no, uh, no excuses necessary because Pinhead is a nice guy. <laughs> the original Pinhead. There's not that new one. I don't know about him. Right. We right. don't. Yeah. Mm. I forgot about that. That's, yeah. how, that's how much it sunk into the collective consciousness. I think a lot of people have forgotten about that. Well, I think people are often startled to realize that they're still making Hellraiser movies. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That? They're really making that? Yeah. My husband and I sat down to watch Hellraiser last Halloween, and he was just like, this is boring. I said, yeah. <gasps> <laughs> uh, I'm not super the most Clive Barkery person ever. That's fair. Yeah. Like, I've read a bunch of his books, and some of those I would really like my time back. Yeah, uh, no, that's yeah. Yeah. Um no, and that's fair. I mean, it's a joke in my household that my uh my husband famously upon watching Hellraiser with me referred to it as gooey and unpleasant. <laughs> and that's about as good as we're ever yeah, yeah, you, you, know? you could describe it. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty dang good. Yeah, and that, you know, it's just like, you know what? You're not wrong. <laughs> um yeah but i i that's just yeah that's one of those things i think it's it's very much like the dune movie where mm -hmm. you're some people are just gonna dig it yeah and whether you're a, you're a fan of the book or you know you just like some people we've had on this podcast who had never mm -hmm. read the book and just saw the movie mm -hmm. you know some people like i you know love the novel Dune. I also love that movie. Like, mm -hmm. and I have I a soft spot for the miniseries. Like, all of these things. I yeah. yeah. So I, I I think that there's no room, no room for hot takes. No, not really. Although I'm sure we're gonna see plenty of them in, oh in my the coming gosh. months. <laughs> I'm preparing myself. I'm girding my loins. That's that's. I mean, and that's going to be the issue because that's the issue with any property mm -hmm. that gets. Like, I mean, I, I saw people's hot takes about, like, when stars did the White Queen, you know, people were just mm -hmm. like, well, this doesn't look like the book. It's like, well, but it's like three books mixed together, first of all. And second of right. all, come on. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, there were people complaining that there were, like, too many sex scenes or something. I feel people, like it's it, on stars. if you're going to be, like, I don't know, I feel like there's a fine line, like, of course, I like things to be faithful, but at the same time, like, be realistic. Uh, I think with, like, Stephen King's It movie, it wasn't, it was not a perfect adaptation. That You know, this is one of my favorite books, but, like, I was fine with most of it. And it was uh -huh. just like, you know, it has to, it still has to move. It still has to live and breathe. Yeah. And it's just like, it can't be static. And I feel like when you try to get, like the sort of like super duper faithful adaptations you wind up with stuff like Watchmen which was nice to look at but I mean I read that book and the movie was very much follows the book except for one big difference but it was so boring <laughs> it was just it was boring it was dark it was like nothing I don't know there was like it held no entertainment value for me um and I feel like that's because they tr they were kind of like, you know, sort of hedged in by this need to be super faithful to the source material. So it's just like you can let it breathe a little bit. You can yeah. give it a, you know, put your own mark on it. And I think that it's, it's fun. It's always fun to see, you know, little like hints to something that, mm -hmm. you know, they're probably not going to get to. Um, mm -hmm. I have actually not, this is, you know, I have not actually seen the new It. I, it's very disappointing to me. I keep meaning to see it, mm -hmm. and then I don't. Um, <laughs> and then I just, like, watch Hellraiser again. Uh, <laughs> one of the issues with that, I'll say this, is that, like, my husband does not like horror movies. So yeah, when it comes to same. stuff like that, it is very much like, well, what if we rent It? And then I get a look. 
So it's just like, okay, I'll rent that Sometimes later. Sometimes I forget that we're living the same life. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise, we are just doing two voices. Right. Um, then, you know, but I enjoyed that. My big thing with that was always that in the tr- first trailer, like the first teaser, they had a missing sign for mm-hmm. Patrick Hockstetter. And I was like, no one would post a missing sign for Patrick Hockstetter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody gave a shit about Patrick So Hockstetter. I don't know. That if, was like, part of the thing. That was part of his whole deal. <laughs> and I don't know, like, I doubt very much. I, his whole scene, I'm guessing it's not in the movie because there's no. a lot of backstory with him and a lot of stuff that happens that no. it's just it's a Stephen King novel so there's gonna yeah. be a lot of facts easily the most disturbing character in all of his books I think is Patrick Hockstetter there's I would, nothing I would agree with that there's nothing that unsettles me more than a sociopathic teenager yeah spoiler alert um and but, you know, he gets what, yeah. And, but it was just one of those moments. And I, I like things like that because mm-hmm. you, you don't need it to be 100%. And I think that we're hearing a lot of that about the new Pet Cemetery, mm-hmm. um, where people are like, this is not exactly like the book or exactly like the right. original movie. And it's like, okay. But I mean, I've I'm seen still going movie. to see it. I feel like, though, the, the problem with Pet Cemetery, I feel like this new one that you've pretty much seen the whole movie by the time the trailer ends. I feel like the trailer puts everything in it. Yeah, it is like a full we, trailer. We just saw it when we went to see Us this weekend. And I was like, well, there you go. There's the movie. <laughs> End credits. Yeah, I think, yeah, that but that is definitely, I, I used to not really worry about that too much. Mm-hmm. My husband is anti a lot of trailers because he does think that there's too much in them. And I mm-hmm. would always just be like, it's not true. And then I think it was like, prometheus Mm -hmm. he he said that and then afterwards i was like wow you were you were wrong (laughs) well (laughs) there were definitely things in that wait did you understand that movie because i'm still trying to figure it out (laughs) uh the best message to take away from prometheus is one uh don't get a c-section like that right and two i guess Jesus was an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we all just went, oh. And I still that... say that they should have called the, um, what was the last one that came out? Covenant? Yeah. It should have just been called Prometheus to Prometheus, sir. <laughs> <laughs> David touches more things. David, don't. David, right, stop. David, stop it. Stop um, it, David. Now I just, just doing <laughs> Alexis Rose. Ew, David. Ew, David. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, you get that sort of, that trailer definitely had stuff in it where I was just waiting the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that was in this. And I feel like that's probably going to happen with Dune because we know the story so well. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some shot that's from like the very end. Yeah. And I think that they'll have to put characters into, you know, trailers and things like that that don't necessarily happen immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if they do, because we haven't heard any, there's no casting news. Like, they haven't no, heard anything no, else. No new casting this week. Uh, we have not heard if there's going to be, I mean, uh, again, it's not a spoiler, guys, whatever. We <laughs> haven't heard if there's an Alia. Right. And I feel like if there is, that's a trailer shot. Yeah, And it's not going to make sense to people who don't know the story, mm-hmm. but I feel like they're not going to be able to resist um, probably like duplicating a shot from the Lynch movie mm-hmm. uh, that is a gif I very much enjoy. Yeah. And that they, you know, I feel like that is definitely a like, let's put that shot in there because, yeah. but then people are going to spend the whole movie being like, well, where's that kid? <laughs> Wasn't there a little girl? <laughs> yeah. You have to be patient. Yeah, and it's just, you know, I I mean, but I, I feel like trailers have always been like that. Because sometimes you see, like, an old trailer, you know, attached to, like, a VHS or, you know, on YouTube, you can see them. And I think I watched one recently for uh, the movie Excalibur, and that whole mm-hmm. movie is in that trailer. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get that it's Arthurian legend, so, I mean, they weren't mm-hmm. really reinventing the wheel in any capacity. Right. But I think there's a shot from literally every part of that movie right. in that trailer. <laughs> <laughs> including like O Fortuna, which oh, I think right. was that was the first time that was really in a movie. Mm-hmm. 
What did you start, John Borman? <laughs> what did you start? Oh, boy. And but, now you just got me thinking about Romeo and Juliet, which we still have to watch for my other show. The Buzz Lerman? Yeah. Or are you yeah, no, we're doing, out? We, we've done, we did, uh, for the modern side, we did uh, 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 Valley Girl, which is uh, Romeo yeah. and Juliet inspired. Mm-hmm. Uh, adorable baby Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Also, so, oh, and I don't know if you saw just based on our some of our casting discussion from earlier. Mm-hmm. If you saw the story yesterday of Keanu Reeves on like the bus with everybody. No. Uh, apparently, Keanu Reeves his like flight got grounded, so he just rode in like a passenger van from Aww. like Bakersfield with some people, and was apparently awesome and. <laughs> That doesn't surprise me. Was he reading seems facts like a great guy. About Bakersfield people and <laughs> at the end he like went to Carl's Jr. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Keanu. I love that guy. So I think there's probably still a role for Keanu. Come on. Fingers we're, crossed. We're casting your movie for you, sir, because you still have some holdout roles. Yeah. On that note, I do want to shout out to a listener who has tweeted us on uh, some some of their like casting picks that I kind mm-hmm. of liked and I kind of wanted to shout out a couple of them. Um, these come from at Chad Cass on Twitter and uh, he has some of his he's put together. So like for Paul, he has like a young Christian Bale, which totally could see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Leto, he, he does a little bit of what you did with playing with space time. So he's got a young Lawrence Olivier. Uh, you know, youngish. Yeah. Lawrence Olivier. He's looking foxy and fine. Um, so <laughs> Lady Jessica is always to this person says, uh, will only be one and it's always Francesca Francesca Annis, which is fine. Yeah, no, she's she was really excellent. Yeah. She was super good. Um, as the Baron, Marlon Brando. An older, mm-hmm. later day Marlon Brando. Yeah. Totally could see that. Um, Lou Ferrigno as the Beast Raban. I like that. Yeah. Although Lou Ferrigno is such a nice guy. Yeah, that's the <laughs> yeah. Thing. It would be hard. Uh, this one I I actually really like this. Uh, young Young Heath Ledger as Fade. Oh, I yeah. know. Uh, Tommy Flanagan as Gurney Halleck, who yeah, I I like, I like a lot. Tommy Flanagan. Some of you might know from Braveheart or from Sons of Anarchy if you watch mm-hmm. that show. Uh, a young Lou Diamond Phillips as Duncan mm-hmm. Idaho. I don't hate that. Lou Diamond no. Phillips always has a place in my heart. Yeah. Uh, Omar Sharif as Stilgar. Not bad. Not bad. Oh, that's good. And I think this is the last one. Richard Burton as Peter. As Peter. Interesting. Pretty good there. Yeah, the Richard yeah. Burton. Yeah. Oh, no. There's a few more. Like Ray Dong Chong as Cheney. Helen Mirren as uh, the Reverend Mother. Oh, Yul Brenner as Le- Liet. That was the last oh. one. So some pretty good choices there from Chadcast. So thank you for that. Yes. And of course, much. anyone else, if you have your own Dreamcast that you want us to shout out on the air, we'd love to hear from you at Weirding Pod on Twitter. Or yes, please do. At Weirding Podcast at gmail.com uh, is our email. So Yeah, I mean, and if you want to do like, you know, visual aids, that's always good. Mm-hmm. Um Especially if it's, you know, young Lawrence Olivier. Mm-hmm. Hang on. Maybe like young Peter O'Toole. Oh, yes. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of Prometheus. <laughs> Sorry, my husband just came in and <laughs> he heard me say speaking of Prometheus. And came He's like, like, please stop what? recording this podcast. <laughs> no, shut it down. This is no longer allowed. Okay. We're um, going to have to start a support group for our husbands. Right. So that uh, <laughs> wraps up the chapter. We wrapped it up some time ago, but we yeah. also had a lot of thoughts on uh, Doctor Who and okay. vampires and <laughs> pretty much everything. So we hope you've enjoyed this um, <laughs> digression. I promise the next episode will be much more on point. Um, but anyway, we'd love to hear from you and your experiences reading Dune as always. We want to see your covers. We want to see those copies that you have you can reach us on twitter as i said at weirding pod or at weirding podcast at gmail.com and uh don't forget to hashtag all your fan art 
hashtag send dunes. Yes, and hashtag Paul McGann and Dune. Yes, hashtag Paul McGann and Dune. Let's get it rolling. We yeah. want to see it happen. Certainly not too late at all. Nope, not too late. I'm going to start this campaign like immediately. I'm not kidding. <laughs> all right, I like it. <laughs> so that will do it for this time, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. You're not going to see anybody. Jesus, why'd I say that?